Elise, today I'm intrigued by our topic uh, <laughs> to discuss, the uh, Galette uh, Char- Charentaise. Charentaise. So, what is a galette charentaise? Bonjour, this is Fabulously Delicious, the podcast that's all about delicious French food and the people that love it, cook it, produce it, talk, write, and photograph it. One of the reasons I started Fabulously Delicious was to explore the little known, to the rest of the world that is, French dishes that cakes, specialties of different regions in France, and bring people passionate about them to you. We talked in episode eight with Vince Cucci about the fouet. I still think I'm pronouncing that incorrectly. And today we are talking to a French foodie about a gâteau or cake that sounds very intriguing, the Galette Chorantaise. Pretty sure I stuffed up that pronunciation as well. Elise Botivo, thank you for joining us on Fabulously Delicious today. I'm very happy to join you, Andrew. It's a pleasure to, to share our passion together here. So I'm very happy about it. Fabulous. Elise, we'll talk a little bit about the, we'll talk more about the Galette Charentes soon. But um, before we get into that, like last week's guest, uh, Pascal Bellot, uh, you were born in Nantes, but uh, you didn't grow up there, right? Yes, that's that's right. I didn't grow up there uh, because my parents moved to Lyon um, when I was just born. City of food. <laughs> What was it like growing up in Lyon? Well, you know, I have very, very few memories because I left, I was five, but I do remember a number of things such as uh, uh, related to food. Um, A couple of them are are very simple memories. There was a truck, uh, a baker truck that was coming back nearby our uh, building where we used to live there. And uh, I think it's probably the first memory of independence I had because like I was like four or something and my parents let me go downstairs to to go and buy the bread you know from the truck before I could go up so it was my probably my first memory of uh, independence uh, is an act of buying the bread you know so it's it's quite something um I remember garden, you know, the garden uh, in in Lyon. And of course, um, not of course, but because I I was very lucky, my parents took me to Paul Bocuse restaurant when I was uh, around three, three and a half. Oh, wow. (laughs) And I do have a memory uh, from that day. So, yes, uh, uh, that's it. Right. And have you been back uh, as an adult many times to Lyon? Yes, I, I I I did for um for some time because we had friends there and I grew up with some um some some kids there uh, who are still friends so it's been a long time though and I have they have moved out of Lyon the city uh, now so uh, not for a long time but actually I plan to go back because um I want to go back to where I grew up basically <laughs> Fabulous. Well, it's such an amazing city for history, for food, but not just food. It's also the origins of the silk industry in France, I think. Is that right? It is absolutely right. It's the origin. And there is actually the, Les Canus, uh, called uh, Les Canus, uh, where the workers uh, in the silk industry. And there is the, there is a, a spe- specialty uh, called the Cervelle de Canu, literally brain uh, of the Canu. <laughs> Um, that that is um, a, a specialty from Lyon, which is made of uh, cottage cheese or fresh cheese with shallots and garlic and 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 chives and yes, that you eat with a bit of bread. So so yes, indeed. 
there's also those amazing uh, passageways that they built there to cover the silk when they were taking it through the city that you can walk through. Paris has its passageways full of shops and and Lyon has them as uh, to take silk through. Yes, but the origin of the passage is probably very likely the same because uh, now I live in Paris and I've been living there for the last 25 years. So um, I I would say I know more the the passages from Paris. But the origin, I mean, of of the passages and and this typical architecture uh, is related also uh, at the time you you had no pavements. So you had the horses and everything. So in order to avoid people from going to work to be dirty, you 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 built the covered passages in order to do that. And in Paris, it's pretty interesting because you go from east side, which is really the worker area, but inside of Paris, already um, not the poorest people, um, going to Palais Royal where you have La Bourse, the, the equivalent of Wall Street today, but it's it's there because this was the place for uh, trading gold and, and steel is where if you want to, to buy some uh, uh, gold um, um, coins, you, you you know, you can go near, near both. And you can almost do from the Grand Boulevard, which is um, the area where people used to, to live and the workers going to the Palais Royal using only passages. Uh, people don't know that, but that was used for that, to protect them from the rain and, and stuff. So, yeah. There would be two major icons associated with food in Lyon. One you've just mentioned, Paul Bocuse, that yes. you met famously when you were three. <laughs> yes. This is fabulous. Uh, I have had the opportunity to meet his wife. Unfortunately, he was sick at the time that we went to the restaurant, but his wife, uh, I think she was in her 90s and came around to mm-hmm. everybody's table and said hello. Have you eaten at his restaurants? Absolutely. I went I went to eat at three uh, and a half. Actually, my parents went for lunch there and it was a treat and something. And, and and uh, food is part of my education. So uh, literally, my it was important for my parents to take me out with them um, so that I was educated about food. Um, uh, and they were not like rich people. Or, so it was really a treat. You know, they didn't have a, a, a lot of money. So going there was something. And, and, and um, so I remember what was told to me, and then I will that you know what I, I personally recall from, from that day. So uh, when we arrived, um, Paul Bocuse welcomed us. Um, and uh, I had I had lunch already, but he offered to me a bit of saucisson brioche. Okay, yes. So the famous uh, salami in a brioche, you know, um, uh, with pistachios and... Uh, and uh, an orange juice, so uh, I could be with my parents and have also some lunch. So it was, um, it was uh, welcoming me in some ways like that. Uh, but what I remember is that I, he took me to his kitchen. So he took me by the hand, and, I, and, and that's really what I recall because this is really my first memory uh, in a kitchen, um, in a chef kitchen, is really entering and all the. The copper, you know, the copper shining bright, and and for me, uh, you know, I was very little. I'm still, I'm still <laughs> very little, <laughs> but um, and I looked up to this guy with this huge white hat, and it was like really, it's a memory that is quite extraordinary today, and that's from it's really my first memory uh, with a chef. So it was something. 
um, quite ex exceptional for me already. And I, I, I remember that as a magical moment, truly. Yeah. Uh, one of the other icons of French food, I would say, in Lyon is the Bouchon. Yes. Do you, can you tell us about the Bouchon? Well, the Bouchon uh, um, in in Lyon, where um, institutions where you could you could literally have uh, wines and and or eat trip, um, so uh, very popular places, and and you still can go there. So uh, I think the equivalent uh, of le Bouchon in Paris would be le Bouillon. Um, uh, that that we have, which is which is also uh, to um, restore, and this is the origin of a restaurant, you know, to restore. So uh, uh, in terms of strength, and so we could come back to to that. So so you have Bouchon everywhere. Whether you can have the pot de Beaujolais uh, and and uh, the traditional salad frisé au lardon, you know, with uh, ham and poached eggs and, and stuff like that. So, and they were originally restaurants set up by women. Yes, uh, yes, and that's something very fascinating. So you you had an, a number of of uh, women. Um, I think La Mer Grande is one of them. Um, so you you have these uh, institutions of mothers, truly. Uh, holding their uh, restaurants and their brasseries uh, type. So that's very specific to Lyon, indeed. Growing up then as a small child, your first sort of foray and memory of food is uh, meeting Paul Bacuse. Um, so what other, what other, what are some of the other fondest memories you have of, uh, of food when you were young? Well, my fondest is not related, are not really related to specific restaurants or anything really it's more moments and i think it's interesting as well i, I really um f have very fond memories of summer barbecues at home you know when we moved out from lyon to go to uh, the suburbs of paris with my parents um they had a garden and we didn't have a garden when we when i grew up in, in lyon and then i had a sister after that and and the, the summer was always the time for setting up some barbecues for my parents with their friends and i recall that as a growing expectations of fun and 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 lofters and and you know sharing and uh, these social events so i was really looking forward to those moments eagerly as much as Christmas, I would say. For me, the summer barbecues and Christmas, in a way, I had the same expectation, except that the summer barbecues were more often than Christmas. So it was more exciting, in a way, outdoors. Are barbecues very common in France? They're, yes and no. I think if you have a small garden, uh, it's common to welcome people for a barbecue. I think it's it's not organized in the same way that you have in Australia, for instance, or even in the US. Uh, it's not institutionalized the way it is, I would say, in the community, in the local communities in Australia or in, in, in the US. Um, but it's a friendly moment with your friends, um, more than in institutional summer moments. Um, rather than beer and, and steaks, you, you will have like, uh, you can have grilled chickens. You can have uh, T-bones with with a bit of rosé wine from the south of France because it's the summer. It's light, but it it it's yes. So uh, your family moved to Paris. Mm -hmm. uh, what did you did you decide to do food when you were young? What was your career path when you were young? Well, yeah, growing up 
as a student and after a baccalaureate, which is really the, the diploma you get at eight, around 18 to pass to go to the university, um, um, I went on to political sciences uh, studies, so uh, humanities and political sciences. And I, I entered a school in uh, Strasbourg, in Alsace, uh, so where I spent three years there. Uh, which for food was also very good, and for wine. Uh, so, so I did yes, political sciences, and I specialized in um, in uh, international relations, foreign foreign affairs. Um, so around uh, all the institution, the the, the international law, uh, um, but uh, and I was really interested in uh, cultural politics. So I then specialized in cultural politics. Um, uh, with um, a, master a master degree in political sciences and then specialized in cultural politics. And I specialized in Dijon in Burgundy, believe it <laughs> or not. On from Lyon to Paris to Alsace to Dijon and Burgundy. This, yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, yes. Fabulous. I could do a road trip about follow my path, you know, for food tours. But um, uh, yes, and that's what I did. But then, then there was an economic crisis in 94. And uh, I had to. I worked in the movies first because I, I'm, I'm really uh, pas passionate about uh, the film industry. So I, I worked in a festival um, uh, first, and then I moved into the IT business where I stayed for really 20 years, and a bit before that in a PR agency. So I was specializing and specializing to make it short and simple e-commerce. Um, type of work and processes. So I was really my specialty in a big US company where I worked for nearly 20 years. And then I, then I probably uh, uh, grew up uh, and like uh, wine and, and, and or very good meat, I got matured <laughs> enough to say enough and wanted to go back to my passion which is food then you had your career change so that was into food and the tourism industry that's right i i left uh, in 2018 um end of 2018 my job and then i i wanted to train in order to be able to create a company that i wanted to do around food tours initially and before the pandemic of course um, so I took, I, I went back to school literally um, in hospitality management first. Um, so I got a degree there, and then I went into Ferrandi school. So um, not not maybe all your listeners are familiar with Ferrandi school, but it's a it's a very well known uh, school for the French culinary arts, where I took the basics of French food. Uh, in, and then a, a course specializing in entrepreneurship in the food business. Uh, and I also uh, passed then a degree in, in French wine testing. So um. <laughs> We are halfway through our fabulous conversation with Elise and we're going to dive right into the Galette Charentaise in a moment. But just briefly, wherever you're listening to this podcast, if you could subscribe to Fabulously Delicious, that would be truly fabulous. And if you're on Apple or Spotify, if you could leave me a review and a rating, maybe a five-star one, that would be even more fabulous. Thank you so much. If you'd like to support Fabulously Delicious on a continually monthly basis, you can join our Patreon community and get exclusive content, recipes, and all sorts of fun stuff. 
or if you just want to subscribe by a one-off payment, then you can do so by buying me a croissant through the Buy Me A Coffee website. And look, that's not hard at all. Just click the link in the show notes. Now, let's get back to Elise and all about the Galette Charentaise. Elise, today I'm intrigued by our topic uh, to discuss, the uh, Galette Charentaise. Charentaise. Galette Charentaise. Charentaise. Right. So what is a Galette Charentaise? So it's a, it's a cake. It's a biscuit. It's a cake that traditionally is, so it's round. Uh, it measures, I think, 25 centimeters. It's a very simple recipe, but it's very, very local. Um, you can find the Galette Charentaise almost only in Charente or in the West Coast around Charente. Um, it's so I'll come to the recipe uh, if you want at some point, but I think what is interesting is for me what it means first. Um, my family is from the west coast, I'm born in Nantes, and Charente is really south, it's it's more south, it's between uh, it's close to Bordeaux in inside between Bordeaux and Nantes, La Rochelle, Rochefort, Rochefort sur Mer, and Niort. Saint Cognac, you know, uh, north of Cognac. So in inside in the land, not on the on the shore. Um, so, but you can uh, Rochefort-sur-Mer and La Rochelle are on the shore. La Galette Charentaise, so is really from this region, and I'll come to why in a, in a moment. But for me, my grandmother uh, from uh, my mom's side um, was from that region. So uh, it's also for me um, uh, childhood memory, and I grew up uh, until my grandmother died. With she was making and she was baking galette charentaise, and the recipe very much. You have variations. There is a basis, but it's really a, a, a generation to generation recipe. It has a special ingredient. It has uh, yes. In it. Uh, what is this uh, special ingredient? Uh, it's it's a it's a um, angelique. It's a herb. It's the it's the an herb um, uh, called angelica. Uh, I think in English. Um, so. So you have to to know that, and that's the ingredient that made that this biscuit was actually in the 19th century. It was um, done, created in 19th century. Was only served for special occasions, uh, weddings and baptisms. The West Coast is very religious, um, so um, Angelique is is really from the the Niort, the city of Niort is really a specialty and that grows here because you need a lot of humidity and you have marshes. And and so it, it, it was growing up there. And also you have that in the north. It's a protected herb in the Pas-de-Calais in the northern part of France. And initially, I think it came from the Nordic countries. And it was it was used for medicinal purposes. Absolutely. It's right? called herbs of the angels or herb of the Holy Spirit, because it was in, in, in the Middle Age, it was used against the plague. Uh, yes, and there is a lot of beliefs that it could uh, cure the people who were charmed. Um, so you have all those uh, things around Angelique. Well, who's a person that was charmed? What, and, and why do you need to be cured if you were charmed? It's not charmed. I think it's, uh, you know, like like voodoo kind, you know, all the negative oh. powers. Oh, uh, possessed. Possessed, yes, exactly. Ah, there we go. 
Although I would say there's a lot of people out there in the world that might have been possessed that said that they were charmed. So the, the herb is dry. It's, it's candied. You don't put the herbs like fresh. It's candied. And, and today, uh, I'm saying that because you can find Angelique uh, uh, in the shops sometimes, but it's not fake. You need to be careful because it's a watermelon that is dried and colored. And that's not the proper one. The proper one is really Angelique from Niort, um, uh, that is is uh, is cultivated since 18th century there. Um, so yeah. So you touched on this before. Is it uh, so? Is it a religious cake then? Is it something that's only reserved, served on certain holidays, no, or is it available no, all year round? No, now now it's it's really uh, popular. Every every family, I would say, everyone in Charente Maritime and Charente knows how to make and to bake a um, a, um, a galette. And galette is actually a tradition on the West France or Brittany. You can find galette. It's different different type, yeah. But uh, so yes, because you have the galette de roi. Yes, yeah, la galette des rois. The galette de roi. Galette des rois. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so no, initially, initially, because the angelica, the herbs was expensive because to to grow. That was uh, an expensive cake, and you serve that only for occasions, weddings, baptisms, religious occasions. Usually, are you know important times. Now you can you can do that, and there are variations. Not everybody would put Angelica. You can put now people put some different things like candied fruits, for instance. You can instead of or even chocolate. Uh, you know um, uh, how do you call that uh, chunks. Um, uh, uh, but the basis, so so the real galette, Charentaise, I'm going to give you the recipe if you want. Um, that would be fabulous. Thank you. Yes, I'm sure we would love that. So uh, is is simple in itself. You need um, 120 grams of butter. And you have to know that butter from the Charente, the Charente is known also for the Thor and the butter. They had a lot of milk. So that's why also you could make the cake easily. Yeah. So but butter from Charente, salted salted butter is the is the the my family trick. We use only uh, uh, salted butter. Um, 150 grams of flour, uh, uh, 110 grams of sugar, uh, a third of baking powder. Powder. You know we've got. Packs, little packs, so I don't know how to translate that. One uh, vanilla sugar uh, flavored with vanilla. One, uh, a bit of uh, uh, salt flour, a uh, pinch, and uh, one egg, one yellow of the egg on, additionally, and, and a spoon of milk, and then 50 grams of angelica or dried fruits or whatever. What you do is uh, you mix the sugar and the melted, not melted butter, but the soft butter, yeah, softened butter. Uh, then with the egg, including the yellow, right? And and you you really uh, put then the flour and then the baking powder. And you what is important, you don't do this with the machine. You use your hands. And 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 that there is a uh, movement we use traditionally. I'm giving you the the traditional recipe, the generation one. And once you have done all that with the back of your um, fingers, um, you then uh, put that in a, in a, in a baking uh, uh, like for a tart, like for a pie. Yeah, 
that you have buttered, yes, that you have buttered before, and you put it like it needs to be 25 centimeters more or less. You know, it's round. Then you use the um, the milk to uh, leg to on the top so that it's going to be yes to make it glaze, and then you do stripes with a fork. Yeah? That are, but not on all of it, like uh, on on like a square, yeah. And then you put in the oven that you have preheated at. So you have variations, and it depends on the oven. So it's between 180 and 230 degrees. So you know, go in the middle, 200, depending on the oven. You have to try in a in a ventilated oven for 10 minutes. It needs very be careful. It's very quick. Be careful not to cook it too much because then it it's very dried and very very dry, you know. And you can you can keep it for weeks in a in a in a closed box. Then uh, if you don't eat it uh, right away. Thank you so much. That's a fabulous recipe. I'm gonna. I'm sure many of us are gonna have to try this. You mentioned before that you have a family history of uh, the galetsharantas mm-hmm. uh, for you that your grandmother would make this, but apparently there is some confusion over to who founded the cake that there were two families that fought over absolutely this as to who was the ones and, that, and uh, who made the galette first I, it's not even decided yet so you had uh, Berlin and, and the other one is uh, Arnoux and this is a very long name so I'm going to skip that for, for you and indeed uh, um, these were bakers uh, and, and there was a specific name in the 19th century when it was created it's a uh, Talamonier, I think, in French. Even in French, I'm not sure. Even the French probably don't know the name of the. Um, and, and yes, and it's still not decided who has created it. I remember that my granddaddy, when we used to, uh, he was uh, going to buy it, was definitely going to the Burley family. For him, it was it was the one he was, but he, he didn't refer it as either the best or uh, or the one who created it. It was traditionally for him one of the best you could eat. It, uh, it still exists, the burley. There's so many wonderful patisseries in France. How do you decide to make the cake at home or buy one for the patisserie? Skills. <laughs> it depends. It depends. It depends. Um, uh, one is skills because you can't make any pastry, uh, patisserie at home. I would say uh, time, um, time, um, uh, occasions. I would say um, how you want to please as well. I cook, for instance, lemon lemon pie. Um, uh, yeah. But it is amazing that there is such a, a a tradition still of making cakes at home when you do have so many wonderful patisseries to go and buy. Yes, things, you know that 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 hasn't been lost. Yes, but past, I mean the the quality of the pastries. So you have different than uh, qualities and 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 uh, prices as well. You have um, pastry chefs that are. Uh, very creative, and if you want on a special occasion for a birthday, for Christmas, no, Christmas is different, but for a birthday, for for celebrations, you you would go to a, pa- a patisserie because they have the art, the savoir-faire, uh, uh, and and everyone has their favorite shop. So you would decide uh, what you want to do. For instance, my mom for her 70s birthday, she she's a big fan of shoe. 
Schuh à la crème, yeah, pastry shoe, and and I got uh, got a pièce montée, which is traditionally what you get for weddings uh, with pra yes with praline, but we did we did that with uh, um, um, lemon coffee flavor and uh, toffee flavor uh, made. Yes, so. So when you can't do, I mean, for for the volume. So when you want something special for a celebration, you can you can go for for um, to a shop, or even sometimes just for a pleasure moment. Sometimes I go. I, I have a very famous uh, known chef, not famous, but well, he is because he's he's on TV a lot, uh, close to my home. So sometimes you know, I just want to. Say, mm, I would really have a piece of this. Uh, chocolate cake I like so much from him so <laughs> yes it's hard to walk past some Very of your favorite places uh, for me when I was living in uh, Rue Montegoy uh, or just around the corner from Rue Montegoy in the second it was the uh, Stoher uh, patisserie yes, there and they with their chocolate eclairs yes oh. and you know they created they they created the Baba Orum they are they invented the Baba Orum so you still have the original recipe in the just before the revolution 1765 i think it is yes if i'm coming to france from around the world where's the best place to go to have my first galette uh, charentaise i think in in pays de saintonge close to niort um in in uh, saint saint uh, it's uh, like sans, i would say but anywhere in charente you can find very good galettes but i think in uh, in Saint and Niort, around that area is really where you can have uh, the 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 most original traditional experience. But otherwise, it's at my family. <laughs> yes, okay. Well, we will have to get in contact with you sure. to come and join you there. Yes, Elise, it's been fantastic talking to you today. Um, uh, we've learned something new about a, a French cake that we might not have known, and I really love that. I love the idea of bringing uh, dishes to people and having them explore and try new things. So thank you so much for letting us uh, know about this uh the um, the gato the galette. Let's say this properly, Andrew. The galette charentaise. Yes, thank. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Yay. Galette charentaise. Thank you very Yay. much for the invitation, Bye, Andrew. Lord. It was a pleasure for me too. No, Lisa, thank you so much for joining us. Merci beaucoup. Merci. À bientôt. Au revoir, Ando. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm really hungry now after talking to Elise and really want a galette charentaise. Elise, it was fabulous learning about you and your food journey, so thanks for sharing that with my fabulously delicious audience. Speaking of my fabulously delicious audience, thank you for joining me on Fabulously Delicious today. Don't forget, if you like this episode, then please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Oh, and share the podcast around with your friends and family that are into food or everything French. I love to be shared around. If you'd like to support the making of Fabulously Delicious, then you can do so by buying me a croissant via the Buy Me A Coffee website. Or you can become a Patreon supporter and get exclusive content just for my Patreon audience. Any help is appreciated so that I can bring more fabulous people to Fabulously Delicious. Now, if you're coming or planning on coming to France, then why not book in a one-hour Zoom call with me, that's right, with me, so that I can help you plan a fabulous trip. You can do that by the Buy Me A Coffee link in the show notes for this episode, or by checking out my website, 
www.andrewpryorfabulously.com. I'm Andrew Pryor. My motto in life is, whatever you do, do it fabulously. So why not join me here every week on Fabulously Delicious, the podcast. Abiento and bon app. Hi, I'm Emma. And I'm Joe. And, and we're, we're the, the Professional, professional Book, book Nerds. Nerds. Two Mondays a month, we interview authors and talk about their upcoming books, what drives them, and their go-to order at the cafe. On Thursdays, we share recommendations and dive into topics readers face, like how do I actually read the books on my to-be-read list? You can find the Professional Book Nerds podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn more about us? Our website is professionalbooknerds.com, and you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at ProBookNerds. We hope you'll come and listen, and as always, happy happy reading. reading!